Fed Square proudly acknowledges that Federation Square is situated on the traditional lands of the Boonarung and Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation and pays respects to their elders past and present. We acknowledge Aboriginal people as Australia's first people and as the traditional owners and custodians of the land and water on which they relay. We recognise and value the ongoing contribution of Aboriginal people and communities to Victorian life and how this enriches us. We embrace the spirit of reconciliation, working towards the equality of outcomes and ensuring an equal voice. Hello, my name is Ben McCarthy and welcome to this week's episode of Anything But Square. It's NADOC week of Fed Square, and I am delighted to be joined by Rodney Carter, who is the chair of the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council. Good afternoon, Rodney. Good afternoon, Ben. It's great to be here. How are you today? Uh, I'm good every day. I'm a bit of a flatline sort of person. I don't have high highs or low lows, and culturally that's held me in really good stead. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a Yorta Yorta Judge Arvodong person in terms of my uh, uh, stronger or more connected cultural links. Like many uh, uh, First Nations peoples, I've got a multi-clan connection and, and, and links through ancestry. So it's a matter of, you know, how far do you want to go back? But I think it's more for me, my cultural connection, uh, the presence or prominence I have in contributing to um, one of my ancestral uh, sort of connections. So at the moment, I live in central Victoria, which is Jandak, which is Jajawurung country. So obviously in 2020, this year's Nettle Week theme is always was, always will be. And I would like to ask, what does that theme mean to you? As a theme, Ben, I think it's something that, but use a cultural example, it, it, it's almost like a, a presence of echo. It's something that people have wanted, ha, have uh, chanted, had screamed at marches, has wanted uh, um, others that are present in our homelands to really understand that there was people here before there was the intrusion of newcomers. So for me, it's a very powerful, simple phrase that should be easily understood by others. But then there's this whole idea of uh, uh, dispossession of people, uh, disadvantage faced by people, the prosperity that others have enjoyed as being uh, um, a controller of government and of policy. So there's so much that can really be extrapolated from always was, always will be. Would you say that always was, always will be has a very strong link to caring for country? Yeah, definitely. I think if you think about culture, spirituality, life ways, there's an element of philosophy within that. And so, you know, country owns us. We have an obligation to country we care for country and then country decides to afford uh, our sustenance and that can be food, plants, animals, uh, beauty as people appreciating uh, uh, landscape and it's, it's so many things really when 
you have that mindfulness or thoughtfulness of our place just as humans, I think, within landscape. And what we've got here in Australia is something that I say is not prehistoric, it's ancient. And then you think about the definition of the word ancient, it's mysterious. It, it tells us that people have been doing something here for uh, for so long, it, it, it's, it's so hard now for others to understand and, and afford it the recognition it really uh, deserves. What does it mean to you to care for country and protect cultural heritage? So I have a personal private need as a first person and, and my obligations immediately to my own well-being and doing things on country and hopefully then oh, I'm an individual contributor. As modern people, given that landscape has been uh, not just intruded upon by people, but modern activities, how we live today, how we do mineral uh, exploration, all, all of these really uh, uh, dramatic effects on, on landscape. It's really important for my mob today and what we do in our, our relationships with others that we do healing type activities. So a uh, form of explaining that simply that um, in a lot of instances country uh, can't uh, afford us uh, sustenance easily so that's food and fiber so what do we do in trying to contribute that as modern people to put things back in place that that should be there because i cannot survive if those things aren't there and then what we find uh, in terms of biodiversity uh, uh, good functioning ecosystems, country needs that as well. So plants, animals, uh, invertebrates, amphibians, reptiles, it just goes on and on. And, and culturally as, as people, I must participate in that. I must inter interact uh, um, as a traditional owner. And then you have a healthier, not a completely healthy, but a healthier uh, uh, ecosystem. What current protections are in place and are they effective in helping us care for country? So that is uh, a really complex question, Ben. If I think about our involvement with the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council, our, our remits, uh, our Aboriginal cultural heritage, and, and then to apply process in some sort of standardised way to do that, it's about what's tangible and intangible. It's about material uh, culture that's embedded in, in landscape. And that can be part of the mineral natural world, geology and rock formations. Uh, um, it can then also uh, be parts of the, the living world in terms of how uh, our people have utilised uh, plants and, and, and scar trees are a good example or scarred. Uh, uh, trees and the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Act 2010 tries to set out under its purpose that cultural heritage will be protected a whole lot of sections through the act to regulation that tell us guide us instruct us what's acceptable and not acceptable the definition of these types of cultural uh, elements as, as as sites as as materials and um, we've got a really good piece of legislation in, in Victoria. And when we think nationally, we're in such a better place than other jurisdictions. 
the states and territories, but we, we can improve it. The irony in the act that we've got here, and I just touched on what the purpose is, it will protect all cultural heritage. It, it's tenure blind, so it doesn't matter where that value is. And then the act goes on to describe all of the steps that I'd need to adhere to actually to to largely destroy or damage cultural heritage. And I've always found that as being a form of bizarreness in uh, something that's really important, can't immediately be replaced. Uh, living culture and mean you could go out somewhere and uh, uh, undertake a lifeway and, and, and do culture. But what we've got here at the moment is some things that are uh, uh, thousands and thousands of years old that deserves our, our, our attention, that deserves our protection because when those values are gone, they are gone forever. What needs to change or improve to help us better care for country? I think us learning that when we undertake modern activities, and I think development's a, a good example, it, it, it's not us being uh, uh, more intimate like if we camped in country and, and, and how more subtle is our dwelling, our structure, uh, um, uh, um, our utility sort of items, what we need to live. Nowadays, uh, um, we're so much more sort of robust in our intrusion, houses, roads, buildings and so forth uh, uh, that we need. So going forward, it's trying to, I believe, it's about creative solutions. So how do we design things? How do we engineer things that we understand that we want to minimise the impact of the presence of culture in, in, in landscape? And I think we're, we're yet to explore those creative ideas because there's a, a time frame, a necessity, a rush around uh, um, development taking place and development and those that invest in it want want certainty. They want uh, knowledge around what does it cost, uh, what is its purpose, how will we do it, and then you get on with this idea of construction and implementation in all of its forms. Sometimes I think, Ben, that what we see in the protection of cultural heritage here in Victoria is even my people wanting to remove cultural heritage from landscape, the idea of salvaging uh, um, a site as an example and there's this current impression that we're, we're saving culture by doing that and, and we interact as traditional owners in the process uh, of doing that but I, I believe strangely that what we're actually doing is we're extracting culture from landscape and setting it aside so a development can take place. If we look at civilizations around the world and, and uh, for my people, our civilization has been so long here in the landscape. The modern intrusion is this new civilization that's developing. It would be brilliant to be able to leave culture embedded in landscape and we understand how we build, uh, um, not necessarily directly upon that civilization, but we integrate what we're doing as we go forward. And what we've seen recently in some of the major developments here in central Victoria is the state government and others seeing the benefit of now putting our language, our symbolism, uh, um, our style almost and way of being into architectural design, even into uh, uh, 
building internal function, how the the tenants, occupants of buildings should behave, circulate, react and feel. That's extended to the landscaping architecture outside. So that's pretty visionary stuff. And I think that can be applied creatively to many uh, uh, of the projects that might intrude on culture. What part can government and community play in this? I think it's trying to to learn, maybe from even a self-determination point of view, that you can't just take from Indigenous people or Indigenous knowledge traditional owners. Somehow it's about empowering the people that they participate in, in the all. And, and for many decades people have thrown around this idea of uh, holistic and how that's applied for health and, and, and so many things, Ben. So... The challenge going forward when you think of the small number of uh, um, traditional owners, in particular, say, for Victoria, for us here, how do you help that section of the community and and they're put into a position of responsibility, leadership, and to to share their culture as opposed to the appropriation of culture, which is so uh, traumatic to, to, to people to take that away. So I think there's an opportunity going forward how, how we work not as us and them but collaborate together to do things together to embed uh, um, knowledge, language. The reclamation just is for language as an example is, is amazing that we can travel all over the world and we go to these many different countries and, and cultures and, and you know, we want to eat the food and we want to see the, the history we struggle and have a crack at speaking other people's language and we've got so many languages here that are also the names of many of our towns and so then the wider communities sees it as something that's that's curious it's it's interesting but it but it's just there uh, uh, as a nut it just needs to be cracked and, and to allow people to explore the beauty you know of that that's really important so I think the policymakers, the governments, need to have the enabling pieces of, of laws and, and the policy in place. Community needs to be taken on that educative journey. And I think where this needs to take place is that we need process so our children and our grandchildren start to learn what's normalised in this, I say, future real Australian identity. Not what uh, uh, we see is currently as this idea of, for my people, that our country's been invaded, our homelands are occupied, and, and we're like in the shadows of society trying to eke out in, in existence, whereas, you know, people should be wrapped when they see the Aboriginal flag. They should be wrapped when they see Aboriginal language. And for us here one day, you know, I hope enough people speak language that they meet greet and do maybe the courtesy and the nicety and, and people in central Victoria uh, own Jar Jar as, as one example of many in Victoria and, and it's almost competitive in, in, in a proper respectful way with the other traditional owners around the state. We are recording this podcast remotely and uh, in, in the midst of a global pandemic in Victoria. I think we're slowly coming out of our second wave. And I wanted to ask, how has COVID affected 
caring for country. For the um, Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council, we've uh, um, learned new ways of doing things. We've learned how to use uh, some of the forms that a lot of us have learned now around technology and the benefits that it it can provide. And so it was really interesting. But at the start of it, it was like, oh, this is new, got to learn this, uh, adapting to use video conferencing. We all know how to use, or most of us know how to use telephones and that sort of stuff. So in an unusual way, I think COVID, if we're constructive, has allowed us the opportunity to do something that we probably wouldn't have uh, uh, chosen to do in, in our previous normal normal world. And I think going forward, um, the human spirit now to want to wanna catch up with each other in person, to meet, greet, have that interaction, but uh, also now be trapped and available uh, um, with video conferencing and, and those sort of things. I think, you know, if, if you're positive, you, you're better for it going forward, and that's just taking a positive attitude. So the council's maintained its business in terms of what we uh, uh, have to do. Um, a sad side of it, I think, has been, uh, um, for when I think of our mob on the ground, registered Aboriginal parties, and, and, and for those uh, in terms of their own country, so let's think of, around populous areas that we know have had a greater degree of lockdown, and also a greater abundance of people being uh, uh, infected and, and a risk to others, they've had to be more sheltered and more withdrawn for the right reasons. So they haven't been able to, to interact with landscape. If I think for their regional and rural communities uh, um, and then being part of industry that is allowed some freedom to still do works, um, there's been a form of business as usual but subject to the new distancing requirements, new hygiene types of uh, uh, requirements, um, that, that business has still gone on. Um, what was also really interesting, Ben, early in the piece, or as we went along, was um, uh, my mob being out there and others doing, doing their work but l less less public, less sort of the common people, your community being out there interacting. And when things opened up, and I know some of the major projects we're doing in central Victoria, people were engaging our field staff more than ever, just wanting to say, g'day, and, and what are you doing? Uh, why are you out here uh, uh, doing this? So there was this distant interaction with people querying each other and probably being more observant and paying our attention, whereas I think a year ago, a couple of years ago, it wasn't as interesting. People weren't as curious about why people were doing uh, cultural heritage works, uh, uh, forestry reserve type works, works on creeks and streams and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it, it, it's been it's been unusual, but I've seen people also been be resilient. In, in all of this and, and for the most part people wanted to stop and wanted to change and I think there's some realisation now it, it'll never completely stop there'll be an element of there's a certain way we'll have to do things now towards each other uh, going forward yeah 
What's next for the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council? For us, this idea of self-determination and, and independence is really important. So this has been on the conversation for a number of years. It's embedded within our strategic documents, our strategic uh, uh, plan. It's embedded in our heart and our mind for our people and what we want to do going forward. We understand we've got to build a greater capacity to do that. We believe that we're wise enough and involved enough now to be capable of doing. So it's building that capacity, the strength around uh, doing it. And recently we launched a discussion paper called Taking Control of, of Our Heritage, and that proposes a number of points around discussion, improving legislation, uh, and improving actually what we do in operationalising cultural heritage, actually improving what we believe should be the standards and the vision around what we should do in, in cultural heritage. So that's a key piece of work that will start to be analysed from public comments near the end of the, the year. And then we want to continue the conversation around that and give feedback back to people, okay, this is what you told us. Is that what you meant when you told us that? So that's that feedback loop and that open conversation and then ultimately in our leadership go to the government and, and say this is what the people have told us you're elected by the people now let's collaborate on actually making those improvements and that's uh, um, brilliant for us to keep working on that stuff because I think what's embedded in that too Ben is the United Nations on the Declaration for Indigenous Peoples is some beautiful standards around how you should respect people's rights and Victoria supports this and the people support it but it's been lost a little bit in recent memory and so now that has another presence and I say to people read it and use that as the benchmark of where we should be tomorrow from what we're doing today and that's not easily achieved but it's an important goal for us to have, I think. I would like to thank you for your time um, this afternoon, Rodney. It's been really, really wonderful learning and also listening about caring for country and also the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council as well. Thank you very much for joining us. Caring for culture uh, begins with caring uh, with self. So you care for yourself, you care for others, and then you care for country. Thank you very much. See you next time. New episodes of Anything But Square are released every Wednesday and we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to our newsletter at fedsquare.com. Take care and we'll see you next Wednesday.